Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 479, air date November 9th, 2019. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Shiva Ayadure. Good morning. I wanted to do a, uh, a have a conversation, essentially, about how we really build movements. Um, the events of the last two days relating to uh, people asking me to remove a video, uh, the uh, Vax premiere, is an opportunity uh, to go beyond a single movie, but to have a deeper discussion about how we win the battle for truth, freedom, and health. And sometimes people get so narrowly focused on some hype that's taking place at a single point in time that they forget the opportunity to build a larger movement. And I'm going to share my thoughts with you on this because you're looking at someone um, who's always had to fight for freedom, who's been a scientist and an inventor. If you look at the history of people's struggle for many, many millennia, uh, it has always been a tough struggle. Um, and that struggle has involved people who've been oppressed, um, who've had different types of people come to them to tell them how they're going to help uh, get them out, out of their oppression. And um, the strategies that people decide on what to do determine the course of many, many people's lives. Today, relative to this discussion on immunity, vaccines, there's a lot of people, mothers, who feel that they're not being listened to and they want their voices to be heard. That's where this really started from. In addition to that, there's a lot of scientists who, and medical professionals who know something's wrong, but they're also silenced. And so if you look at the long march of human history, it's always been a path of trying to get more freedom. There was a time when people were uh, indentured servants or slaves. They had no freedom at all. And after some slave wars and some slave battles, people got given a little piece of land and they got a chance to work for a king. They got a little more freedom. They were called serfs and monarchies developed. And then after we fought some more, we started getting what we call today bourgeois democracies like the United States, where you have a little more expanded freedom, but still people feel that the freedom is not for all. So humanity has always gone through this progress. For me, it's very personal. I grew up in India, uh, which has a caste system. Uh, we were considered untouchables, the lowest of the low. Uh, uh, in that model, the people on top, the Brahmanical priesthood, or people who called themselves Brahmins, the elite, were the ones who had the rights to speak. They were the ones who were the few. It was an exclusionary model. It was hierarchical. Um, and it was a set of people thinking that they know better for what's right for you. Okay? That was a model of the caste system. There's a few people that know better, and it was not inclusive. Very, very constrained for a few people. So I know what that meant as a four-year-old kid. I remember distinctly going to one of my friends' home, and I was uh, asked to stay out of the house, given water in a different cup, and that's when I realized where I fell in that hierarchy. But it was about silencing other people, that a few people knew uh, more than the others. However, if you look at our common interests, the common interests of all of us, the majority of us, not the few who think they know better than all of us, not the few who profit from oppression, the, uh, all of us want a better lives for our children, for us, uh, and we want a, a better civilization. So the question is, what does that better civilization mean? In my view, as someone who comes from my background, it's about expansiveness, it's about innovation, it's about new ideas. 
It's not about ideas that are controlled by a few like Bill Gates, um, who thinks he knows everything how to help the poor dark people in Africa and India, and which he doesn't, by the way. Um, it is a environment, <clears throat> a humanity, where we have a composite of people. I'm not talking about diverse, like a salad bowl, but we integrate people, and from integration is how we create great strength. Um, this is something that you learn in engineering sciences. There's a thing called composite materials. Composite materials are blended fibers that come together. The modern aircraft wings, modern structures are made with composite materials. They're not a, a, a one single metal, aluminum or something like that, but they're composite fibers wo woven together. And that's how we all win because if you take that engineering example, we create things that are lighter, faster, better. And when you expand and you allow multiple voices to come in, and that's the reason for freedom. That's one of the reasons. So why is freedom important? It's a really interesting question. Why is freedom important? Because clearly, for some people, they don't like freedom. But for those of us who want to see that kind of society where there's lots of people participating in the human endeavor, lots of people pursuing their dreams, lots of people with great ideas coming together, it is about inclu true inclusivity, not inclusivity in name only. And freedom is important for this singular reason, because when you can have free speech, free discourse, open discourse, for the ability for everyone's voices, ultimately, because each one of us is a unique being with a unique dream, for each one of us to pursue that dream and have that freedom is how we all win. And why is freedom important? Because when you have freedom, you can have open discourse, not people censoring you, not people telling you to take down videos because it's to their interest for their movie to get out, as though the movie is a singular reason for any movement. And this is where the mistake is making. I think. Some of these people may be nice people, maybe they have insidious reasons, but I'm gonna give the benefit of the doubt, they're just inexperienced or just plain stupid or dumb. But the reality is that, the reality here is that freedom is the fundamental basis that we as all humans have been striving for. And what does freedom allow us to do? When we have open discourse, when we have diversity of ideas, particularly in the sciences, particularly in problem solving. I'm sure if you're a couple, when you argue in some ways, you come up with a better idea, but you wanna have open discourse. And when you have that open discourse, you find what the real problem is. You don't find a fake problem, you find what the real problem is. And you have to look at the whole system. And when you find the real problem, <clears throat> then you can innovate a real solution. Okay, and when you're allowed to find the real problem, innovate the real solution, that's when you get health for our bodies, our society, and the environment. So let me repeat that. It all begins with freedom. When you have open discourse, multiple viewpoints, not the insiders, then you can really find the real problem, find the solution, and then you can move forward to health for all. Okay, and this involves not only solving a problem in day-to-day -day life, uh, a scientific problem, but also political movements. The current uh, discourse about the vaccines and health, frankly, has been a, a failure, I would say, when you actually look at it. And this is not to attack anyone, but when you look at it substantively, what's going on. And I want to talk about that. And part of talking about that is, is to recognize that no one owns this discourse, uh, but all of us want to move uh, forward, right? So the question comes down 
What is the strategy and the approach to move things forward, to innovate? That's what the real issue is. How do you move forward? When you look at the actual situation here on the uh, vaccine issue, for example, or the immunity issue, it's, you know, freedom has been lost in California. Freedom has been lost in New York. Freedom has been lost in Maine. And there are a lot of mothers who are really the ones who have the intuitive understanding of this, who are bringing this issue up. For them, it's a significant issue because this means they may have to move out of their state. They may have to go somewhere else because their freedom is being denied. So the question comes down to the oppressor who is getting away with this. We need to understand how they are winning. How are they winning? And how, and how are they fighting? And how do we plan to win? That's really the question. Um, and someone just said, you know, don't be Austin Bennett of California attacking fellow anti-vaxxers. That's the kind of nonsense that we don't want to hear. We need to have open discussion. That kind of thing is the same set of people are saying, don't attack your people internally. This is not about attacking people. This is about us, not a few people on a bus, deciding the future of a movement. This is about anyone like me, be it an untouchable kid from India, being able to stand up and share my views as a mother. So anyone who tells me that uh, you're attacking other anti-vaxxers needs to stop that because that is precisely how the establishment works. So I want to I review that. I want to go over how do we fight and how do we win. That's what this is really about. How do we fight and how do we win? Well, first of all, you need to understand the enemy and how they fight. The title of this talk here, conversation, is you're never going to win. You're never going to win by doing what the enemy does on their battleground. You're never going to win by using their methods. So all the people who think I'm attacking people need to stop because it's precisely that concept is how the people in power maintain power. They don't want all of us to figure out what's right. So let's talk about how the enemy works because I know about this quite well, not only from a system scientist, but someone who's been a fighter and someone who's had to fight oppression all my life. Well, first of all, the enemy is all about, you know, exclusivity, okay? It's a small cabal of people, all right? Be it the academics and, and in, in our modern world, it's a triangle. It's the media, it's the academics, and it's the politicians who are funded at the center of that triangle by lots and lots and lots of money trillions of dollars. Let me repeat that. First principle here, the enemy has a cabal. They're very exclusive. No one else comes into their thing because they know best. And at a systems level, it is the media, it is academia, it is politicians or muppets who get out what they want them to do. And at the center of that triangle is a tremendous amount of money, trillions of dollars. Okay. So that's the key principle here. It's a cabal of people who are extremely exclusive. Second is this cabal, this small group of people always uses reductionism. What is reductionism? I've spent my whole life studying this uh, and I'm going to teach it to you in a very simple way. And I've, uh, you can see some of my uh, videos below, below and I've put up a diagram. It is a notion of taking a very complex system like a big elephant and having a bunch of blind people with blindfolds going up to that ele element, uh, going up to that elephant, and them telling what they actually see. One guy touches a tail and thinks it's a brush. Uh, one guy touches a tusk and thinks it's a spear. One guy touches a feet and he thinks he's hit a wall. You see, it's a concept of not seeing the whole, but it's a concept of seeing 
apart. So one of the, the second thing that our enemy does is they use reductionism, okay? First is their little cabal, and the second thing is they use reductionism. What do I mean by reductionism? They take a complex system because they don't really ever wanna solve a problem. They wanna make money. Let me be clear, they do not wanna solve a problem unless once in a while it helps their interests. They wanna maximize profit. So when they take a complex system, like the climate, for example, they reduce it to a single variable, CO2, and they tell you that CO2, and they tell you that CO2 is a pollutant. And from that thesis, we forget about pollution. We forget about clean air, clean water, clean food, which is what all of us want. So they make CO2 a pollutant. They get a bunch of politicians promoting it. In fact, the oil companies even promote that because they get to now be green and the real problem is never addressed. They use that CO2 pollution problem to then try to impose carbon tax on us, which is what this is all headed towards, so they can profit more because they're so corrupt, they can't even fix the infrastructure, be it in Massachusetts or any part of this country. Any problem, they use reductionism. Genetically engineered foods, they say, oh, one little change of a gene, it's a little itsy weeny teeny weeny change over here among 25,000 other genes, it's not gonna cause a problem, reductionism. When it comes to the immune system, on the vaccine issue, I'd rather call it about the immune system of how we get immunity. The fundamental issue that they do there is reductionism. They've taken a very complex system, like the immune system, and which I study, I've studied for years, it's part of my PhD work, it's part of what I do every day. And that entire immune system has collapsed to a singular concept that if you want a healthy immune system, inject yourself with this and check antibody levels. It's a complete, total, lie it's fake science and it needs to be called out but again the establishment does this so second is they use reductionism third what the establishment does is they own and they centralize their own distribution channels okay so, so first they it, it's a small set of people second they use reductionism third they control distribution to keep the riffraff like me and you out okay they own radio they own tv and they own movie theaters they own AMC movie theaters. AMC movie theaters is owned by the Chinese Communist Party's richest man. Let me repeat that. AMC movie theaters is owned by the Chi Chinese Communist Party's richest man, okay? So they control distribution. And that control exists so they can control culture. They can control how much lies we're and propaganda we're hit with. Okay, so small cabal, very exclusive, Second, they use reductionism. Third, they control distribution. Fourth, censorship. They actively censor rabble-rousers. They actively censor people who come from the outside with new ideas, all right? They actively do not want other people, and they will, in fact, use others who claim that they're fighting to say, oh, oh, don't uh, have discussions, like in this case, don't, quote-unquote, attack your anti-vaxxers. Total nonsense. That is censorship, pure and simple. The last thing that the people in power do, they want to treat us like, as one monolithic whole, like a mass of people, that we are not unique people, okay? The reality is each one of us is a unique individual. Each one of us has unique dreams, unique body chemistries, unique situations. So they want to lump us as one big blob as one big statistic so they can manipulate us. Okay, so let, let me conclude the, uh, or summarize what we're looking at. Number one, those in power work 
as a cabal in a triangle, the media, academia, politicians with lots of money, very, very exclusive. I'm going to have to plug in my uh, computer over here before the charge goes out one second. Otherwise, we're going to lose everything here. Let me plug this in. One second, folks. Sorry about that. So the, um, the, the, in, in summary, what I was saying was you have a small cabal of people who are highly exclusive to their particular, to control their needs. It's based on reductionism. Uh, three, uh, they own their own distribution channels. Four, it's about censoring the riffraff out, outside. And fifth, it's about treating all of us like a blob. So let's talk about the current vaccine movement. Let's look at where it's actually at. There are people who've been in this movement for 20 years. 20 years they've been fighting, okay? Well-meaning people. 20 years they've been fighting. And what have they been focusing on for 15 years, 16 years? Mercury, aluminum. It's a very reductionist model. Yes, mercury and aluminum may have issues, but that's what they push forward for 15 years. And there's lots and lots of stories of mothers during this period who are bringing up more and more stories of, of injuries to their children and they're not being heard. The other part, when you look at the results of this, has it worked? Has the concept of whatever has been being done, making movies, getting uh, some limited exposure, has that actually worked? Well, the reality is California has, you know, has won uh, they're, uh, they've eliminated religious exemptions. New York has fallen and Ma Maine has fallen. And Massachusetts is where the next battle is going to take place. So with all due respect uh, to those people who have sincerely done whatever you have done, it's been a failure. And movies have been, as of now, in the context that all of this occurred, is that we're all thinking that the Vax 2 movie is going to save us. Okay? I want you to think about that that the Vax 2 movie is going to save us. So let's really think about uh, that. And let me give you my background, how I got involved in this. You know, I'm a scientist, I'm an inventor, I'm a fighter. Um, I got involved in this about a year ago. One of my uh, uh, followers on Twitter, Jenny Smith, invited me to come and speak down in Florida. And I did not know about the dynamics of the Vax movement or the pro-Vax, anti-Vax dynamics. I'm a, I'm a scientist who studies at the molecular systems level, and I shared with that at a talk I gave, uh, I believe there was Andy Wakefield, uh, a number of other people, I shared the fact that something didn't smell right and that I was going to uncover it. Um, there was a group in Massachusetts who heard about my talk and frankly uh, never invited me. Um, eventually uh, the people in Florida said, hey, you should talk to Dr. Shiva and this has been a group that's been around for 20 years. Again, well-meaning people, probably very good people who are very concerned mothers. Um, we try to reach out to them. I had a concept that I had figured out what the real issue here was that could really help this movement, which was that there was no risk assessment being done. Number two, that I'm a renowned scientist in the field of personalized and precision medicine. The field of science is moving to personalized medicine. And what I was seeing was the vaccine trajectory of big pharma was actually against personalized medicine. And it was an important strategic concept I brought forward, which is to say that one size does not fit all. And that must become a central part of fighting for choice and freedom. Um, we wanted to work with the local group. Eventually, we went and did our own seminar. A um, lot of mothers came. 
they got very excited and then we met with the local group here they then uh, realized that what we had was important uh, even though perhaps they did not want to initially include us we were the outsiders they then uh, got other mothers to host events at the North End Yoga, Karuna Yoga. And the message we were bringing out was a not a reductionist message, but it was an open message of really talking about the need for personalized and precision medicine, that one size does not fit all. And those videos are out there. We said we need to move beyond vax and anti-vax. So in that context, um, the approach we took in the science, the, the, the concepts I shared comes from... Um, a, a systems approach, okay, which basically says if you look at the body, it's a complex system, that the immune system is a complex system. The second thing we took was that we used a decentralized approach, which is one of the technologies I created Cytosol. We're not relying on one institution's knowledge of the immune system, but many institutions. And we aggregated that data. And we really shared that there's no risk assessment. But most importantly, we recognized that each person was unique and that we needed to open this discussion up. And we went direct by doing all these talks. So what I'm trying to say is we did not follow the battleground of our masters, which is, you know, be, be very, very exclusive, be reductionist, be centralized. And within 60 days of the talks we did, I'm not really well known in this movement. Um, people really started enjoying the content we had to share. And the content we had to share fundamentally had to do with the fact that we were being inclusive and taking a systems approach. So how do we move forward? How do we really win here? How, how do we win this battle? Well, I can tell you right now, we're not going to win by doing what the enemy does. So here in Massachusetts, uh, people have taken a legislative approach, primarily uh, one group which is wanting to educate legislators. I think it's great. Um, I have uh, participated with them to afford additional education material, which we'll do. However, I believe it needs to be expanded to do educational events all across Massachusetts, for that matter, across this country. And that education needs to go down to science. We have a lot of people who intuitively know something's wrong, but they're not being given the scientific knowledge. And those in power, again, go back to the exclusive people of academia, they lie and they tell people with fake science uh, and they manipulate. So one of the things that we are going to do is to educate lots and lots of people. And that's uh, been uh, one of our programs. Um, when we did those educational programs, I said it was initially people didn't want to embrace it. But when they saw the mothers liked it, they were forced to embrace it and support us. Uh, there is a VI event taking place on, in November on the Washington Mall. Um, uh, I was, you know, it's again, the, the conventional group of people who've been in this movement, I'm considered initially an outsider, but because of the overwhelming support that came from everyone out there, I was in the last minute included to speak there, which I'm looking forward to. Um, let's talk about the current approach that's taking place. The current approach, as I said, uh, as it seems to appear, is to get this vaxxed movie out great if it get it out as far as possible to educate people that's wonderful to tell the stories but one movie does not a movement make okay um when i heard about the movie taking place a group in new hampshire wanted me to come and speak there the the movies i guess november 6th is when they were being shown the massachusetts group 
did not invite me to the two showings here in Burlington and Boston, so I agreed to go to the people up in uh, Massachusetts. I agreed to go to the people, I'm sorry, up in New Hampshire to speak. When the Massachusetts people, I assume, found that out, they invited me here, and I decided to do it in my home state, but it was a last minute thing, 48 hours before the Burlington and Boston showing. One of our volunteers, uh, Mike, uh, we made him a CD. All this was done very quickly to go do the Q&A session in the Burlington, uh, Massachusetts showing, and I was going to do the Q&A session in Boston, okay? And all of this, I dropped all my scientific work, everything to support this, because I believe that we need to expand this movement and educate people. As I understood, the, uh, much of this uh, elements of the movie, which means clips of the movie, are already up on YouTube. So people have already heard about the gut-wrenching stories. The purpose of doing the AMCs and other theaters, as I understood, was to have open discourse. Let me repeat. You can go direct on YouTube these days. A lot of people have told me they already saw a lot of clips of these movies. But the purpose of the theatrical venue was to have discourse, these Q&A sessions. Um, minutes, literally minutes before my going to the Boston session, I heard there was all this dialogue. And the dialogue I heard was that a day before the AMC theaters had said no Q&A session. However, another organization called Gather had the right to negotiate. They said people had the right to negotiate locally. So the people in the HCMA, Candace was negotiating locally and it was a local negotiation that AMC could have allowed. When I arrived, um, or during my arrival, I was told that the Q&A session was canceled. I still had my tickets, we went in, and we gave that talk, everyone saw out there. And if you look at that talk, that talk was saying, we need to take a systems approach to science. That talk was about, we need to expose the centralized cabal of the media, academia, and politicians. That talk was about we need to move beyond reductionism. That talk was about it's great to have a gut-wrenching movie, but you need to have a direction how to include other people and build a movement. And that talk was about we need to go direct. Okay? That's what that talk was about. That talk and that video was posted. Many other mothers posted that video, and the video went viral. Okay? What was the response? What was the response by the Vax movie makers? This is a fundamental question. What was their response? And I would argue, whatever the reason for it, their response was a horrible response. It was the response of how the enemy responded. First, they are great, they're a small group on a bus, but they don't own the movement. Their response was reductionism, which is to say, this movie is the only way that the movement is going to win. Let me repeat that. This has historically occurred throughout many movements. The small say, this is the only way to do it. So this movie becomes a center point of this entire movement. Well, I'm sorry, Vax One was out there. We lost California, we lost New York, okay? Movies do not make a movement, but I appreciate people doing that, but it was a reductionist model, a single-threaded model. We must get this movie out at any cost. Second, they followed the battleground of the establishment, which is they're using AMC. AMC is owned by the Chinese. It's owned by one of the biggest, a guy who came out of the Chinese military, I consider him a warlord, one of the richest guys in China. AMC owns those movie theaters. So you are pay, playing the, the, uh, the game of the uh, enemy when first 
You reduce everything to say we must only use a single strategy. You're on your bus, a, a small collective of a few people. And then third, you're using AMC as a distribution point, which is a centralized distribution point of the enemy. Now, fourth, they're doing what the establishment does, as I pointed out in the, part, in the beginning of this conversation, which is to censor me. Not only censor me, but to censor all those mothers who started sharing that video, scaring them, saying you need to pull down that video, otherwise you're gonna stop AMC's distribution. I'm sorry. Go back to the central principle here, freedom. It, it, it's, we're not fighting for a movie. We're fighting for freedom. And, and if a movie is so important then to, to win, then make it free. Freedom, put it everywhere. Why are you following the enemy's model of a centralized model? This does not help the movement. What we need to do is we cannot win by following the battleground of the enemy, uh, taking the battleground or the methods of the enemy. Let me review. Unfortunately, so those of you listening on that bus right now, listen carefully. You don't own the movement, okay? I appreciate that you're doing a movie to make awareness, but a movie doesn't make a movement. Number two. Number three, that's a single-threaded reductionist approach. Number three, you're using AMC, which is part of the establishment. Put it up on YouTube, put it everywhere. And the reason you did AMC was to have a Q&A discourse, which was censored and not allowed. And when I discussed it, you attacked me. I got a, an email from Abella saying, delete the video. Emails going to mothers telling them and scaring them to delete the video. That's wrong. You can't do that. You're doing what the enemy does. Stop it. Number five, each person is unique. You need multiple people to build a movement. And so right now, this movement, the way it's headed by focusing on one movie is not gonna go anywhere. I can tell you, we need to build a broad movement. And that broad movement begins with educating people. And that's what I shared in my video, which the Vax2 makers wanted me to delete. We wanna offer a workshop. Every day, all over the state, all over this country, we start educating hundreds of thousands of people, not just me, but hundreds of thousands of people so they can learn, they can teach, they can serve. Bobby Kennedy, great guy. You know, uh, I'm sure the people who made the movie are nice people, but you know what? Their methods aren't working. We're losing. Wake up, we're lost California. We lost New York, okay? This is not gonna be made, again, by Hollywood or uh, you know, people want to be celebrities or movie makers. This is going to be made by the people who feel it the worst. It's going to be made by mothers. It's going to be made by scientists like me who know something's wrong, whose my voices are suppressed. I just happen to have because of some wealth I created to be able to speak. Okay, that's the little opportunity that I, uh, or the little thing that I have to contribute. But we need to educate people broadly. It cannot be single-threaded. It needs to take a systems approach. This is not about aluminum. It's not about mercury. It's about the entire immune system, which is a very complex system. And there's fake science taking place. And we need to educate lots and lots and lots of people that in, in such a way that they can challenge the scientists. Because the academia, it's no coincidence the word the letters media are in academia. Academia is the fake news behind the fake news. So I would uh, like to end by saying I hope this has been valuable, but this is not, and anyone says you're attacking, it's a pro-vax, anti-vax, all this nonsense, conspiracy theories needs to stop. We need to have open conversations about how we build a movement. 
Right now, this movement is single-threaded on a few set of people saying we need to get a movie out. It's total nonsense. We need to build a broad movement to educate lots of people. I'm willing to take some questions um, uh, on the phone. Um, someone said, when, you, when will you be on Alex Jones again? I'm not sure Alex Jones was censored. Let's forget that. Uh, uh, let's not forget that. Um, Jen, if you're listening, you can text me if you want. Uh, and I may be able to listen here. Let me see if I got my iPad up. Yeah. So I can take some uh, comments or questions people have. Um, and if, if you, if you want to be part of what we're doing here, and again, it's a single part. I believe we need to educate people. We're going to start doing uh, uh, workshops here. And it's going to be a workshop within two to three hours. You come to Massachusetts. I'm launching the first one on December 2nd. Um, it's my gift on my birthday to people. We're going to teach people how systems work, the complexity of the immune system, and how the modern approach of a single reductionist model of just measuring antibodies or vaccines is completely nonsense. And then I'm going to give you tools, technology tools. So literally from the time you walk out of my workshop, you don't need me anymore. You can go teach them. That's what we need. We need to stop people thinking they're going to build their careers on the anti-vax movement. Um, if people want to um, be uh, a part of what we're doing here, um, uh, I'll, by the way, someone said, can you do workshops in California? Sure. Someone said, do you offer ed educational packets to send legislation to various states? We're going to follow a model that a, a very uh, innovative professor at MIT came up with called the dual pedagogy model, where you're going to get tools where once I teach to you, which is pedagogy, then you can teach to others. It's a very powerful model. On December 2nd, we'll share that with you. It'll be, again, my gift to everyone, and I hope you gift it to other people. Um, it's forward gifting that we want to do, but we need to build a movement. Again, to all the people who, who have uh, done an amazing job in making a great gut-wrenching movie called Vax 2, I applaud you, but do not do what the enemy does to all the people around to think you're going to win. You will definitely lose and you're already losing. So you need to take, take a different approach. Um, uh, one of my, uh, someone said, we, there's a, uh, you can go to truthfreedomhealth.com. We've set up uh, some content there, a Facebook group if you want to join. It's going to be a private Facebook group where we can keep you up to date with content, with the educational materials. It's out there. Um, I'm going to do a 10 a.m. Oh, uh, Q&A this morning at truthfreedomhealth.com. So if you go to truthfreedomhealth.com, um, you can go there and then um, I will do a live conversation with people. Uh, it's a Facebook group you can sign on. But listen, we got, we got to win. We got to win. And the way we win is to take revolutionary, innovative approaches. I've done it all my life in other areas. I've had to because I came from nothing and no one gave me anything. No matter even if I got an A in class, my mom would say, you'd have to get an A plus. And I always had to fight for everything. We, uh, as some of you know, I ran for U.S. Senate here in Massachusetts. We got all of our signatures. I should have been allowed on the debate stage. And both parties kept this out. So what I want to also let you know is if you're a Democrat or Republican, pro-Trump or anti-Trump, Get over it. This has nothing to do with that. This has to do with the health of all of us. And we need to, frankly, both parties suck. They don't help any of us. 
Uh, Bobby Kennedy, in fact, pointed out the issues of the Democratic Party. I try to be on the Republican Party ticket. They didn't want an outsider. You know, we don't know if I'll still go Republican or not. I may start my own party here in Massachusetts. We may need a truth party. But both parties do not serve anyone. They don't. Okay, uh, the, the last piece I want to end with is this. We need to inspire people. A movement needs to energize people and empower people. One of the things that came out of that talk, I saw people coming out of that movie saying, I feel like crap. I'm, I'm gut-wrenched. You know, I knew a great professor, Noam Chomsky. Love Noam. He was one of my mentors. One of the issues I had with Noam was he would give these talks and people would leave these talks completely depressed, like you could not do anything to help the world. You need to show a path forward. And what I'm talking about is the path forward is we need to take a systems approach. We need to be inclusive. We need to not censor anyone. We need to recognize the unique nature of people. We need to bring people together. And let me repeat, no one group owns this. You know, you're doing your nice shows out there. You think you own the Vax movement. You don't own it. The mothers, the people, the scientists, we the people own it. And we're going to come up with many methods. I want to offer education, but whatever you want to offer has to be accepted. And I want to finally close by saying, if you think that taking down a video and kowtowing to AMC so the vaxxed movie can get box office numbers is a way to a movement, you're out of your mind and you're misleading people. Stop it. Thank you.